everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the sixth episode of Cook the Books, and welcome to the new series and the new year. Uh, this last episode we filmed a couple weeks ago, uh, but by the time this goes up, it will be 2019. So, Happy New Year. If you've been with us this whole time, you'll know that the last five episodes we were cooking through The Lord of the Rings, making hearty, stick-to-your-ribs meals. This episode, we're changing things up as we head into manga territory. Uh, so full disclosure, the first episode isn't really manga-inspired. Uh, it's, it's anime. I know, I know. I switched things up and immediately abandoned books for TV. But there is absolutely no way I can dive into manga and look past Hayao Miyazaki. Um, unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with his manga um, but honestly, there there is not a single person I know who doesn't associate Miyazaki with his films, and especially the iconic Spirited Away, a cooking podcast uh, cooking through stories by Japanese artists that skip Spirited Away is not a cooking podcast I can get behind. And you know what? At the end of the day, uh, this is my baby, and I can do what I want. So I really don't know why I'm still explaining myself. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Spirited Away was awesome, and I'm proud of the decision. Choosing a meal to cook, though, was really difficult because there are so many choices. Uh, the film is just filled with decadent foods. Um, I hope I don't mispronounce any of these, but there's onigiri, there's konpito, uh, chiaki imo. The list goes on and on. From the beginning, when Shihiro and her parents stumble upon the feast that begins the story, to the bathhouse workers falling all over each other to feed the all-consuming no-face. The just absolutely gorgeous food is a vital storytelling component. The very talented and handsome Jake Sanders joins me on this episode to talk anime, books, and food. Uh, and, and plus, he helped me prepare the meal. Uh, after much deliberation, I landed on Bawan and a Japanese jiggle cheesecake, and we were not disappointed. Just a heads up, Jake is my boyfriend, uh, and we have a ton of experience cooking together. We're always looking for new recipes to try, so I'm really glad he was able to join me for this episode specifically, um, because these dishes were definitely the most complex I've encountered since starting the podcast. Um, and it was really nice to have a partner in the kitchen and just be able to say we cook these together. If you are a diehard Spirited Away fan, it's possible you had a very visceral reaction when I said Bawan. Um, possible, not likely, but possible. Uh, because if not, and you're more like me, you're probably more like, what's Bawan? Uh, let me explain. Bawan is a Taiwanese street food. Uh, it's basically a translucent dumpling made of rice flour and sweet potato starch stuffed with something savory paired with a sweet and savory sauce. Typically, it does contain pork, bamboo shoots, and shiitake mushrooms. Um, and it's served with a thick, sweet sauce, uh, sauce poured over it. Basically, bawan is delicious. Um, it is commonly believed that bawan is what Shihiro's father is eating in the scene when he turns into a pig. But apparently, Studio Ghibli has stated at, a, um, has stated at design exhibits that it's in fact lamb stomachs. So I thought to myself, what do I want to make more? Uh, an incredible Taiwanese street food smothered in mouthwatering sauce that everyone associates with Spirited Away? Or haggis? Uh, you know, it was a hard pick, but I just, I didn't see haggis pairing well with cheesecake. Uh, but feel free to comment on Facebook your thoughts. Do haggis and cheesecake go well together? Is 
he eating Bawan or is he eating sheep's stomach? Would you want me to cook haggis and just listen to us muscle through that? Because I've had haggis and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do it. Okay. If you uh, subscribe to my Patreon, maybe, uh, maybe I'll eat some haggis for you. <laughs> if you've been listening since the first episode, you might be remembering that I have a soy allergy and thinking to yourself, how in the world am I making Taiwanese and Japanese food without soy sauce? Uh, and the answer is through the magic of coconut aminos. Guys, coconut aminos were an absolute game changer for me. If you're trying to avoid wheat or soy and you haven't tried these, please, uh, please look them up. They're a dark coconut sap and it works just like soy sauce. Um, I've been told that it's slightly sweeter than normal soy sauce, but I personally like it that way. Um, additionally, the, the sauce we made with the bawan called for miso, and we found a soy and wheat-free miso paste made from chickpeas. Uh, the brand was Miso Master, and I'm not exaggerating, time stopped for just a second when I tried it. <laughs> um, it has been eight years since I've encountered that flavor profile, um, and I, I know how I sound right now, but real life, I forgot what umami meant until I had this meal. And I am so excited to have this option back. I am going to put it on everything. I have been putting it on everything. Like I made eggs with miso. Miso and zucchini. Oh my freaking god. Delicious. Try it. Miso. Miso for life. Hashtag find your Dollywood. Hashtag find your miso paste. <laughs> A couple things about the jiggle cheesecake. Um, might be my new favorite cheesecake. And honestly, it was the easiest cheesecake I've ever made. Uh, to be fair, Jake is the one who took care of the meringues, and they're honestly the sticking point for this guy. But I was I was so into it. Uh, it was light and dense at the same time. Um, I used diet cream cheese, so it was dairy and soy free. And honestly, I just I want to make it for every party that I go to now. And I've got one coming up for New Year's tomorrow because tomorrow's New Year's Eve. But not when you're hearing this, so, you know, what time is relative. These are recordings, but maybe I'll make, maybe I'll make a chickle cheesecake for my party tomorrow. Who knows? But for now, back to a more linear present. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash cookthebookspodcast and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash cookthebookspodcast to get started today. And why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and even more from the leading audio publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I signed up for Audible uh, when they became one of my sponsors, and really, it is just so easy to use. Um, I use I listen to it every day on the train, and I, I can't believe I hadn't signed up sooner. They really have an enormous selection. Uh, one of the things I brought up on the last show uh, is their fitness section that I didn't realize they had. Those are definitely going to help me with my New Year's goals. There's a 5K training program. Uh, there's meditation, which is on my list. Um, and then there's a ton of books. I downloaded a book called Circe by Madeline Miller about, and, uh, it's following the story of a nymph from Greek mythology 
uh, and it in intertwines a ton of uh, your favorite Greek stories. And uh, I cannot recommend it enough. I am absolutely enamored by this story. So if you want to try Audible but you don't know where to start, definitely recommend that one. Um, otherwise, you know, pick and choose. There's so many options out there. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash cookthebookspodcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash cookthebookspodcast for your free audiobook. With all that said, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the ride to Swamp Bottom and the episode. All right. We did it. Finally. We started... What, at 6? No. No. 5.30. We started at 5.30 and yeah. it is 8.45. That's not too bad, though. We made a cake and some things that we've never done before. No, that was nuts. I'm super proud of us. I we The um, the dumpling wrapper was so crazy. It was magical science that I've never seen before in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, it was amazing. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, before we just like start going off on a tangent, since we are already talking about the food, yeah, we made a jiggle cheesecake where with a stencil of no face and in like the truest form of teamwork I've ever seen. I drew it, you cut it out, <laughs> um, and then dumped and then, cocoa powder yeah. all over it, right? <laughs> then got cocoa powder all over ourselves, <laughs> and then we made bawan, which I had never heard about before. I hadn't either. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rice dumpling with, so rice and cornstarch and then pork, mushrooms, shallots. What else is it? Bamboo? Bamboo. Uh, and then that awesome sauce with the miso and sweet and sour, mm. uh, spicy sauce with soy, uh, what soy substitute, I guess. Yeah, coco co coconut aminos. Ooh, mm -hmm. So fancy. Uh, and meat yeah. and soy free miso soy and gluten free miso mm -hmm. made Chick out of chickpeas chickpea miso which is super cool too i honestly i'm so excited we found that at whole foods the other day oh so God. cheers cheers and we're drinking sake which i just recently realized is gluten free oh, oh my god i'm just talking and there's all this food in front of me well that was another crazy thing that you were telling me when we got started because mm -hmm. i always assumed it was gluten free because, because it's rice because water. it's rice yeah yeah it's rice what did i say rice water sugar and then koji koji mm -hmm. i don't know why i put a j in that um but uh which is a mold that they can grow on a number of things and apparently one of the things that like a more american-based sake could have koji grow on is barley yeah so i've always heard that oh well it could have gluten in it mm -hmm. and it doesn't um almost all japanese sake does not have is not from barley um and yeah we were, we were talking about this earlier and then we're like super summarizing for our our uh adoring fans right now <laughs> um but uh mm. yeah apparently people with like very severe um like gluten sensitivities and uh, like more more towards the celiac spectrum than just an allergy. Right. Um, they could react to mushrooms, which I didn't even know mushrooms were grown on barley. Mm -hmm. And I've always been fine with mushrooms. So that makes me feel better about myself. Well, it's just so interesting because that's like a, a native ferment thing that a lot of people use in brewing to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they must just let a specific kind of mold grow on the barley or even just use the outside 
spores that are there and just pick what's edible or what's real. I think they're actually farming koji and they're mm-hmm. using barley from that. That's really cool. Yeah. Also, holy shit, this is This amazing. is so interesting. <laughs> and it really is. like it's, it's definitely like a dim sum kind of wrapper. Mm-hmm. And I think we even made it too thick, but it was just so sticky that <laughs> we couldn't get it off our hands or the bowl. I know. You're right. It is really thick. You're right. It's supposed to be much thinner than this, but I don't... We would have needed tiny little bowls. Right. Like tiny, tiny little bowls. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Or like maybe even just like a greased pan and mm-hmm. then maybe like a cookie cutter to stamp oh, them out. That'd maybe. probably be so much easier. This is really good. I mean, coming out of the uh, steamer, though, they looked so similar to what was in Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Like, you could see the insides a little bit. They were super translucent and weird. They kind of looked like squids to begin with, even though it's, like, more of a pork dumpling. Dude, I... Oh, I'm so impressed with us right now. I bet coming out of one of those, like, traditional bamboo steamers mm-hmm. that, like, they're served tableside super mm-hmm. hot, mm-hmm. I bet they still come out looking, like, dripping and sweating and... I think more delicious, but <laughs> probably not. The... We've got to get a steamer. Mm-hmm. Everything about this meal is makeshift. Um, yeah. I mean, not that we like substituted on ingredients for ingredients sake, more just like because of my allergies, this is a soy-free, gluten-free Japanese meal, which is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. that's unheard of. Um, and then we, we didn't have a steamer, so we just rolled up uh tin foil in a um in a pot and then put a plate over it and we had a perfect little steamer yeah, it worked great really did mm-hmm. besides mm. like you know almost burning the crap out of both of our hands We're getting fine. it in and out we made it out alive it worked it definitely worked <laughs> mm. this is gonna be one of the podcasts where i like stop talking because <laughs> just I know. it is really good mm. I'm going to make you talk instead. Um, <laughs> I think what's really interesting about the texture, too, mm-hmm. is, um, I don't know, it's it's definitely a dough, but it's unlike any dough I've ever had, if that makes any sense. It's like, it's super sticky, even in my mouth. It's not like a traditional Western wrapper of any kind. Yeah, and it's also not slimy like I thought it was going to be. Mm. It looked like it was going to be kind of slick and gross, and I feel like if we refrigerated this maybe it actually i don't know i think it's fine it really held up well mm-hmm. i also wonder if we had used real sweet potato flour instead of cornstarch what that would have done to the consistency oh, for sure mm-hmm. i think cornstarch is just that ubiquitous like make everything a slurry <laughs> yeah no it, i mean it definitely worked mm-hmm. and the sauce is really really tasty too i want to make this again especially now that we've made the dumplings I agree. I think we know what to do. Oh, I'll ask him to you. Oh, okay. Um, cool. Yeah, so um, I was just I'll look, pull it up too. Like, why are you looking at your phone? Well, you, you were asking me questions. I want to be prepared. I was prepared. I I know. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I just want to. Yeah, I uh, I will be pulling up my phone for sure to ask you questions. Cool. So, um, which we can go ahead and start with that if you want. Um, the first question is um if you've seen spirited away or read any of like the manga associated with it and i know part of the answer to that but yeah yeah um for sure i mean we just watched spirited away together so yes i have definitely seen it and i'd seen it before that too but in such a weird fashion like 
uh, at three in the morning on Adult Swim in bits mm-hmm. and pieces to the point where when I was younger, I think I saw the saw it the first time when I was around 12, 13. And it felt like a fever dream. It was so wild. Mm-hmm. And now being able to sit down as an adult and watch it in sequence was a totally different experience, which was pretty cool. I agree. The first experience I ever had with Spirited Away was in eighth grade. Um, and my social studies teacher was playing it for us, but I only got to see part of it. Um, and I was like, this is creepy. There are ghosts. <laughs> I am still scared of ghosts. I am 12. Um, and, uh, I never saw it again. And I had, I heard my whole life how amazing it is. And I just never had the opportunity to watch it. Um, and then I watched it for the first time in, um, Portland. Um, so what? what, three, almost four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it absolutely blew me away. It's uh, Miyazaki is just, I mean, he is a genius and a legend of our time. Um, but it was just so stunning. But I also, what watching it, I think, unless you go in knowing a ton about it, I think you are just going to be sort of like shocked by it the first time you see it. Right. Um, and then it was really nice watching it together the other night because uh, we were, like, doing research because we're like, we're going to talk about this on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and and knowing what the different levels of symbolism are while you're watching it makes for a completely different experience. Absolutely. And I think I was a little overkill when I was, like, almost over, like, over trying to... Uh bring out the symbolism in it for a while (laughs) no i mean i think i see why you're saying that but also you were right on the nose about so many things um just i i had no idea and this is i this is my own ignorance but um i had no idea that dragons were so um that that dragons were associated with water in japan yeah and and actually just in asia as Mm -hmm. much as they are we were talking about how we typically associate dragons with fire and there are so many water guardians yeah lots of water spirits that Mm -hmm. were just serpents which in my head made total sense actually because you know you think about a river and it's a giant serpentine thing to begin with Mm -hmm. and especially in flood and drought season it's it's a a being quote-unquote that'll Mm -hmm. give and take away Mm -hmm. yeah total force of nature and i that was super interesting to me i know i'm i'm really mm, i'm sorry it's really good (laughs) i'm really digging these dumplings let's just go back but yeah the sauce is so good Mm. no i'm really fascinated to know about all all the different connotations that dragons have and how there's like rain dragons there's a it was always said that dragons live in rivers and lakes and the scene with the stink spirit mm-hmm. uh ending up being a water dragon right that was, was polluted by humans it was so beautiful and sad mm-hmm. and so poignant for today and i don't know there's so many levels to it and i want it all i want it all to like come together mm-hmm. where um God, I'm sorry. I'm so out of it. We've been cooking for so long. <laughs> yeah, he, you've inhaled yours. <laughs> I feel like the parents in Spirited Away. I've turned into a pig and yeah. I'm just slurping down these dumplings. Oh, God, Jay. <laughs> oh, they're delicious. Oh, oh my God. no. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I forgot about the magic I put in this because <laughs> you are a consumerist capitalist pig. I know. I know. That is now stuck 
you have become... So, okay, okay, so we're talking about symbolism. I know I'm bouncing all over the place right now, so I apologize. Because we're talking about the uh, ecological yeah. symbolism, but also the economic symbolism and just traits of humanity, right? right? So there's all kinds of different levels. I feel like I'm talking a lot, so feel free to cut in literally anytime. Um, but there's... So the bathhouse symbolizes just lavishness uh and what you are able what what you are able to afford if you are at the like head of the capitalist food chain right mm-hmm. and i guess in that sense maybe greed too yes yeah where uh i mean even starting at the beginning of the movie it was so interesting like her parents mm-hmm. are wearing very western clothing like they've turned after World War One, I, I suppose. When is it supposed to be set? After World War One or two? Two, because she's driving an Audi. Yeah, it's pretty modern. Yeah, it um, absolutely. Is. Yeah, I think it is set in like two thousand, two thousand one. Right, that makes yeah. sense. Um, I only ask because I feel like the connotations after each war totally changed. Yeah, for sure. For Japan, especially, um, and the the abhorrence of the Western culture that is totally shown like, Oh, these parents have already made the turn. They're already capitalist pigs. <laughs> Get them out of our country. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're very, they're very Western. Yes. And then to be lured in by the creature comforts and then turn into literal pigs, literal pigs yeah. that are, that are then used like they're there that are recycled for the rest of the pigs. Mm-hmm. So you just eventually become, what you're consuming. Right. And that's so crazy. And having that and then the... Uh, so their consumerism, then you almost go to base senses going into the magical world. Mm-hmm. Because then Miyazaki starts turning the movie into more of an examination of oneself and a lot of Freudian thoughts on how the mind develops. Like the id is in there... Um, Oh, I'm, I'm drawing a total. Yeah, the baby, right now. the baby is 100 id, right? Yeah, and then the three like bobbing heads. <laughs> ball, 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 <laughs> ball, ball, ball. I know what are they? Just like other, I don't know what the three bobbing heads are. When it's I was like, growing up, I always just thought they were giant, like anthropomorphic peas, like, <laughs> three peas in a pod bobbing up and down. I had no idea. That's funny. <laughs> Well, and because th- so there's three there's three pieces, right? There's the baby, which is like represents total emotion. Um, the heads, I really you read about it. And I still I know I, I can't remember what the heads are. It really didn't stick with me. And then the bird is uh, rage, right? Right, and so that's why it's super cool when like the baby turns into a mouse, and then rage turns into. Um, the tiny little, little fly, yeah. yeah, and she and uh, she goes on an actual journey with them, and so through through wisdom they evolve. Mm-hmm. I was like, "That's damn it, Miyazaki!" <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was just like a mind trip. I thought you were just on drugs. Um, <laughs> I don't know, especially so. For context for the listeners, too, we just had watched Grave of the Fireflies, like, days before doing yeah. Spirited Away, too. Yeah. So, so much of that drew influence for me into where Miyazaki had gone, I mm-hmm. guess. Because mm-hmm. uh, Grave of the Fireflies is one of his first movies. Um, 
and is super sad. <laughs> uh, She's like sobbing on the couch. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And about these two orphan children, uh, an older brother and a younger sister. And the, the younger sister is, w- what, maybe five? If that. If that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the older boy is 13, in and around. Um, and it's him trying to care for his younger sister in the middle of World War One. Uh, well, the bombings of uh, Japan are going on, and eventually uh, she dies of starvation. Spoiler alert. Sorry, uh, you might have to put a spoiler warning on this guy. Uh, but then the boy just wastes away in one of the underground subways mm-hmm. after the fact. It, it was like an exercise in feudalism and just toying at emotions, but it, it was so interesting to see that and then go into something that's so fantastic like spirited away mm-hmm. um where the other one was just so grounded in what was really happening at the time grave of the flyer fireflies is world war ii oh, is it okay yeah 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 no well and i think having that context because it's not something that western cultures think about that often we i mean i i feel like out of all of the wars um, that America has been involved in. I know the most about World War II, mm-hmm. but I know about it from our perspective, right. and I know about it from Europe's perspective. Absolutely. Uh, we don't really hear about Japan. We just know that they were part of the axis of evil. I feel like that's on purpose, maybe, especially in the education systems for public schools. Definitely. Like, especially for, like, you know, because of Pearl Harbor... That's probably not something that the public school system in America is like, let's teach the other side, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the public school system is super good at teaching empathy here in America. Oh, so. great. Public schools are great. There's nothing wrong with a single yeah. public school oh, yeah, 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 in yeah. America. Especially here in Chicago where we live. Not one thing mm-hmm. is wrong with any of them mm-hmm. uh, at all. They're, they're perfect systems, and we live in a utopia. So Yeah, children are safe, yep. and children are all the time. prepared for the world when they turn 18 and are... Right really sound to it <laughs> that's oh god this is um, taking a turn <laughs> it has damn uh, um all right miyazaki yeah. making us talk about social issues <laughs> <laughs> no but you're right it was nice having the context ahead of time going into this um just because it is such an older culture too mm-hmm. just the connotations of the different japanese archetypes sure that we encounter with, um, oh my god, is it Hero? Hero's wrong. I'm thinking about freaking heroes. <laughs> what are all of their names? Let's just make you mean sure. Like, save the cheerleader, save the world? Save or? the cheerleader, save the world. Yes, that that's, kind of heroes? That's what I was thinking. No. <laughs> that, it's the same thing. That's what I figured. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure I have all the uh, names right. Because honestly, I love, I do really like this, and the main reason I picked Spirited Away. Is because of the food, mm-hmm. and you have to have a Miyazaki. Oh, absolutely! If, if I'm doing if I'm doing manga and anime, like I have to have Miyazaki in the yeah. mix somewhere. Absolutely. Um, but I do feel like I'm the least familiar. Haku. I'm definitely the least familiar with Spirit Away mm-hmm. than I am from the rest of the uh, sure. episodes for like this this season. What are we calling these? I I kind of feel the same way, only because. Um... I, I'm not a huge fan of My Neighbor Totoro. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I've never seen it. Um, I think it's really cute, and it's a great story. Um, and I understand where the fan base is coming from for it, but it's mm-hmm. just not... It's not on the same level as Spirit Away for me, I mm-hmm. suppose. And I guess like, we've talked about Ponyo. 
in the same regard. I don't really care about Ponyo. Yeah. I really don't. I, that's one of the few that I, like, watched in English. Um, and I was like, oh, Liam Neeson's, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> that was the main reason I watched it. For sure. Um, but, uh, no, it is really, it's a really beautiful story. And I'm glad that we're sharing it together. I do feel like we're not doing it justice because we were so rushed. After I, I, I feel like I was very rushed and just like, let's, let's start talking about the podcast. Um, so, and this may be cut out or not. I'm not sure. So that's the other thing is like, it's, we've been just like chilling and yeah. it's, it's funny for the two of us who like have as many conversations just constantly that we're just right. like, okay, now we have to be on. <laughs> I, so at the beginning of this, you asked me to, uh, have I read any of Miyazaki's manga? And I, I know he does have some. Mm-hmm. Um, especially ones that he's like either lent his hand for um, for artwork or otherwise, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't off the top of my head pick or you know even bring one up because like, I have no idea anything. exactly. Um, which I think is really interesting for someone that is so prolific in in the world of anime mm-hmm. um, for people to not know his written work either. And I think he's even written a book. I could be wrong, but I, I think I've seen like especially the storyboard books that have come out for all these movies. Yeah, a lot of those are his handwritten notes about what he thought and what he was thinking and feeling around the time of making all these things, um, which would have been a really cool companion piece for this. Um, but they are very expensive and very large, like, tabletop books. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if our local library has them. Yeah, right? <laughs> we should go look. So it looks like a lot of his manga was actually in the 60s and 70s. Um hmm. That's when he got started, and then through the age. So he has had other works throughout time. Um, uh, a lot about samurais. Um, the, he has some short stories as well. Hmm. Oh, some of these just sound, an all watercolor manga based on the memoirs of Otto Carreras, a German tank commander. So interesting. Whoa. Yeah. He's so history based. It's a lot focused, especially his newest one about the um, airplane pilots. Mm-hmm. A lot about World War Two. Yeah, absolutely. I had an uncle that was actually at Pearl Harbor when it was bombed. He was on one of the ships. Wow. Um, and died. Body not found. Um, I think his name's on the placard down in Hawaii and mm-hmm. everything else. And uh, you know, that being said, like that's a generation away from us. Yeah. You know? Um, two, technically, you know, parents, grandparents, but, sure. um, that's definitely why we never talked about it in, uh, you know, in my dad's eyes, that was his uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still talk about that every now and again. Like when we talk about my dad's side of the family, that consistently comes up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's, there's a reason, I guess, that it's, it's definitely been like more of a shunned topic. Mm-hmm. And only now that we're, you know in better relations worldwide, I think, with that. And, you know, being two generations removed from it is, you know, that time healing process mm-hmm. that lets us kind of reflect back on the entire global bit of it. Yeah, I I never think... I mean, they were, they were considered the villain for so long. Right. I mean, if you think back to even movies like Back to the Future, right? Mm-hmm. Where, um, God, I can't remember. I think it's a Yamaha or something. Like, uh, or... It, it's a Japanese product, and doc and the doc's like, "Oh, they're 
or Megan, or it's crazy. <laughs> I can't remember the exact quote is, but like he makes fun of it, and it's just he's like it, it talks about how it's untrustworthy because it was developed by the Japanese. Right. And you're like, dude. Like, it, and I mean, I watched that as a kid, and I was like, what? What's wrong with the Japanese? Like, what did they do? Um, it's they it's still a different connotation than absolutely than the Nazis. And I say this as someone who does not consider themselves an expert in the subject, but the Japanese sided with a longtime ally of Germany, whereas Nazis were a political party that still exists. Yeah, absolutely. Especially growing up for us specifically, too, like Nazis definitely still has that very hardline connotation Mm -hmm. where uh, we grew up in the age of like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Exactly. It was all a completely different vibe. Definitely, when we—that's a good point. We were introduced to their art mm-hmm. at a much younger age, Absolutely. and I and in doing so, the the culture. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. I bet it was Pokemon. Pokemon <laughs> <Absolutely>. saved. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's still to this day uh, one of, if not the highest-grossing franchises in history. That's nuts. Yeah, but of course it is. Let's go, Eevee and Pikachu just dropped (laughs) two weeks ago. When the Pokemon movie came out, I was in fifth fifth grade? Maybe I... No, I was in fifth grade. And I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina at the time. Because I was spending... My brother and I were spending the summer with our grandma, um, who lives in Fayetteville, because um, her... My grandpa was military, and they just was, they were stationed there, and that's where I'm from. I'm from Fayetteville, guys. But I didn't live there for long. So we went. I remember my mom making sure my grandma knew that, like, this is important. This movie's coming out. You have to take them. <laughs> and it had, it, we didn't even go on opening day, okay? We waited probably a week. And we were in some tiny little town. You know, it's not like we were... I'm from Charlotte, and so it's not like we were in Charlotte. It's not like, God forbid we were in Chicago. Eesh. And um, every time we would drive by the movie theater, uh, line around the building. It's crazy. So we decided that we were going to get up and go to the very first showing of the day. My grandma took us, and we got there. I want to say... If I want to say an hour, it was probably closer to thirty minutes. Let's be real. Mm. We were I was just young. Right. Um, we got there half an hour, let's say, before the movie started, and we still weren't the first people in line. That's insane. And within the amount of time it took for just for the doors to open, a line around the wow. building formed to see Pokemon the movie. Hey, and I bet even at the earliest showing not a dry eye in the theater when Ash turned to stone and Pikachu was crying, I cried. Cried too. They all cried. All the Pokemon cried. Yeah. They all cried that day. And it was their tears that healed them all. Yeah. And their friendship. And they turned to stars and Mewtwo was fine. He was great. He was like, I was wrong. I got a Mew card that day. Like a whole, all, all holographic. Whole card was holographic. Hell yeah. Still have that. I keep it in my jewelry box for safekeeping. Uh, I remember going to was it McDonald's or Burger King that gave the gold-plated Pokemon cards mm-hmm. away. And McDonald's. Uh, I think. Ooh, maybe. I think McDonald's. But yeah, I remember my mom being like, "The they would love these," and like collecting them for us. Yeah. And us like getting a whole collection, like, "Oh no way, we, Golden Charizard!" We definitely collected those. Yeah. I'm really glad that we're doing a Spirited Away episode, and we're just like. Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
That's no, a good point. No food in Pokemon. What are we going to do? Roast a rat and call it? <laughs> yeah, but with electricity. We have we'll to microwave cook it with it. electricity. We'll yeah, microwave yeah, yeah, yeah. a rat and we'll be like, this, Perfect. this is fried Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrific. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for Detective Pikachu. Oh my god. I can't wait either. Oh my god. This is going to be really good. Okay, we're getting off track. Yeah, um, bring it back. What is your favorite anime or manga? Or actually, let me let me start from somewhere like even before that. Are you an anime manga fan? And if you are, what is your favorite? Uh, I am. I have been watching anime since I was uh, probably in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my friend jared that really introduced me to it because uh he got a bunch of his manga from his older brother and i remember walking into his bedroom for the first time and he just had a bookshelf just full of manga and nothing else cool yeah uh which was pretty rad and uh i I was introduced to anime at least uh through full metal alchemist definitely kenshin um tried to get into one piece and i just could never do it uh i had another friend tyler at the time that was like super into one piece um he was always the kid that had his game boy like glued to his face even in school Mm -hmm. like he'd hide in his sweatshirt and play his game boy so the teachers didn't catch him kind of guy yeah um we all knew that guy but yes i i wouldn't say i'm a hyper nerd about it i'm i'm a nerd about lots of things in anime i i love to watch and i love finding new ones that i like but i'm not like a, a super fan i guess well it's not like your current thing no yeah. I feel like I used to be really into anime. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while I'll, like, get in the mood for something. For sure. But that's not my... It, I wouldn't say it's my thing now. Mm-hmm. But I definitely went through a very long, like, anime phase. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, ki- I kind of miss... I still have the time for anime. Who has the time so for One Piece? Long. No one has the time. If you no. If you didn't start One Piece already, there's you can't. You can't start it. Mm-hmm. No, no way. You're never going to get there. Uh, oh, God. I can't even imagine. How many episodes is it now? Like over 800? I think it's over 1,000. It's over 9,000. Over 9,000. <laughs> yeah. Anime memes. Um, <laughs> this isn't the Dragon Ball Z episode. Oh, um, but, <laughs> uh, but no, I, uh, I was super into manga growing up, though. I yeah. had a subscription to Shonen Jump that would come in the nice. mail. Uh, and like, I'd bring him to school and... Uh, I remember there was, like, a very select group of kids that were like, oh, cool, what's going on? And, like, we'd talk about it and stuff. Uh, and then there was another group of kids that were just like, oh, fucking nerds. <laughs> yes! Go play sports ball. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was this one guy in college who we called Ninja because he would run everywhere he went with arms his behind arms his back. behind his back like a ninja. Every college has one. We had one, too. <laughs> we were like, there he goes. <laughs> And then I got into Naruto, and I was like, oh, oh all right, that's okay. Yeah. All right, there it is. Uh, when I was a junior and senior in college, um, there was a group of kids on campus that were uh, not quite LARPers, but were really into like the battle aspect of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So they would just spar in the green space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always like kind of wanted to join, but I never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was definitely into stage combat at the time. It was like, oh yeah, I definitely want to go out of the green space and just beat the crap out of each other with foam swords. That sounds awesome, and uh, I probably should have because I did have friends in that group too, and I just I never got the courage to do it. Uh, because they were just like fighting in public. I was like, there's there's a theater, guys. We could do this in the theater. 
You're like, uh, oh, we're in the quad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, that's that's probably my own fault, but I just never, I never got up the courage because I had boffer swords like in my room at the time. I was building swords out of PVC pipe and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I just never joined them. Do you think society today? gives us more permission to play than it did even 10, 15 years ago? That's such an interesting question. Uh, I think yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like with the, the breakout of the internet, especially some of the um, like the gender movements going on right now, I feel like the answer is very much yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there's still a stigma mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, I also think being a nerd is cool now. Yeah, it definitely Way is. more so even than it was even like 10 years ago. But there's also totally a line, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I can talk about how much I like Doctor Who until I'm blue in the face, and it's fine. But then if I dress up as the TARDIS and go somewhere, that is passing a different line, mm-hmm. which I would totally, totally pass. Oh, I've done sure. it before. I've done it before, okay? Um... <laughs> But then there is going to a, like, joining a Doctor Who, like, group that travels to different conventions <laughs> mm-hmm. in costume or in character or something like that. Yeah. And then there's, like, I mean, this I don't think this exists. If it does, I'd be so interested. I would, I would love to say I'd be down to do it, but also, like, I would never do it. Uh, there could be, like, a Doctor Who LARP, too, where you're just like, oh, we built this phone box and the lights flash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, oh, that would be so cool in a theater space. And then you could have just, like, different drops. And you're like, now we're in France. Now we're on the moon. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That's a good idea That'd for a costume. be so much work. <laughs> uh, I think, you're right, there's totally a line. But there's not just the line. There's, like, gray zones, too. Yeah. Like, you can talk about Doctor Who all the time. But then if you, like, awkwardly go to a convention in, like, a half-hearted costume... And feel, like, awkward about it all day long. You're like, oh, that's the kid that's awkward. He's the nerd. Ha, ha, ha. But then you can cross even that spectrum and become, like, no, I'm super good at making costumes. And I'm so, like, I'm so into this that you can question all of my knowledge about it. And then you become, like, part of this uber fandom that's cool again. Like, there's that weird gray space that's not cool. (laughs) Or, like, the mediocre that's totally fine. Yeah, I don't know. There's, There's definitely levels. Oh, yeah. I mean, cool is totally... Um, what what's the word I'm trying to think of? But I mean, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. Cool is totally in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, if if you feel cool, then you're cool. And who fucking cares what anyone else thinks? And speaking of beholders, D and D is in vogue again, which oh, is God. hilarious. You right, you right. Uh oh, I've caught the bug for sure. You definitely. Ooh, I've got so much dice. Shout out to Critical Role. Oh my God, I want to meet you guys so bad. He listens. He listens to you. You should listen to this. (laughs) Yeah. If you get a letter from Matt Mercer, I'm gonna die. So. (laughs) I was listening to you meet or yeah you meet in a tavern for a long time and I did really enjoy that too Um, but I just sort of fell out of it because I have so many podcasts that I listen to. Yeah, for sure. I just really like it. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. What's our next question? Um, so we talked about anime, but the essence of this podcast is books. Books. And I'm totally cheating right now uh, with this. Because, let's be real, I'm not a huge manga fan. I'm really not. I remember 
growing up and my brother would leave his like manga almost the only ones i remember are dot pack signs um and i was like this is cool and then i was like is it backwards how do you read this because i was an idiot uh (laughs) and uh i i just never never really got into it there's a few graphic novels i've read there are a few mangas but like Long story short, I'm totally cheating and just really wanted to do these different meals because I am a really big fan of some of the anime that I'm going to be... I'm a really big fan of a lot of anime, um, and then I only picked a couple specific ones for the food. So, let's be real, this is one of the best meals I've made since doing this podcast. This was super good. That was amazing. I can't wait to start digging into this cheesecake. I know. Um, that being said, we want everyone here to be literate. Uh, we want us all to be well read. Uh, it's not all about watching cartoons. Speaking of the public school system. Uh, <laughs> so do you have a, or what is your favorite book? Um, it's such an interesting, all right. So I have a few. Um, I love Neil Gaiman. He's my favorite author for sure. Mm-hmm. And out of his books, Neverwhere is my, absolutely my favorite. I probably read it once a year just because. It's I such do. a sweet story. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, Shadow's one of my favorite characters. He, like, continues to grow on him, too, in other short story books. Shadow is not a Neverwhere, sir. Oh, my God. Who, uh... There's Door. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm thinking of the other one. American, American Gods. Gods is your favorite book? God. Yeah, American Gods is my favorite book. Uh, can we edit that? No, it's all going No, down. oh, my God. I'm <laughs> so a, nervous. That's okay. No. Derek, the other day called uh to kill a mockingbird how to kill a i got better harper oh, lee's so how to kill a mockingbird yeah. so it's okay everyone everyone gets a little um just like oh shit I, people you're recording me right now um so yeah, wait i, I need, I need I, sake for that to be fa- oh hold on to be fair i i legitimately thought neverwhere was your favorite book i mean i do i love neverwhere as well mm-hmm. um that is an amazing story and what wanted what made me want to be a writer when i was a kid Mm -hmm. um growing up now i think american gods has been the one that i love to revisit Mm because i love norse mythology um i've been we've both been now to house on the rock Rock that has that crazy carousel Mm -hmm. and knowing how much of a fever dream that place is and then putting that into the story was just amazing Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's like that's my all-time favorite book uh currently my favorite uh, I, I guess thought game mm-hmm. type book mm-hmm. is uh, this thing called Ship of Theseus, which is also really cool. Kampai. Kampai. <coughs> Ugh. I don't want to <laughs> do that anymore. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sake. I'm done. Uh, but... Uh, but this... Ship of Theseus? Yeah, this is a really cool thing. This was a thought project by J.J. Abrams, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted to make a book that he couldn't put on screen was huh. the whole process um what a weird yeah so position to be in in life <laughs> yeah just being able to like do these cool weird projects and just send them out into the world mm-hmm. um so you buy this book and it's in a sleeve and you take it out and it looks like an old library book like front and back it has the stickers from the library it's got old stamps and stuff in it too and then shoved in between all, like, a bunch of the pages are just things. There's notes written on napkins. There's a cipher codex in the very back that you have to, like, translate certain things in the book out of. 
Um, so when you open it, uh, the ship of Theseus is uh, written supposedly by this fake author named F.M. Uh, Stratka. Stratka is definitely his last name, and he's got some letters before it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. He has other initials yeah, as well. Yeah, he's got some <laughs> initials in there, in fact. Um, and so the, the bulk of the book is his story. Okay. Um, then there's a second author who's writing all of the footnotes in the book. And then there's even more layers to it because there's two people writing in the margins as well. So there's four different stories going on. Um, a lot of it trying to figure out who Stratka actually is. And, uh, and spoilers, again, uh, about halfway through the book, a third person starts writing in the margins and they can't tell who it is. So uh, what it's supposed to feel like is uh, these two grad students who are passing this book back and forth to each other and writing each other notes in the margins, trying to ask questions about what's going on and whatever else. And eventually someone takes the book, writes in the margins, and starts leaving them other clues and then leaving it for them again. Um, so supposedly you're the next person to find this book after everything else has transpired. That's such an interesting, so fun idea. Yeah. Like that's, I love that they created that. Do you know who actually created it? Is it just one person that was the author? J.J. Uh, Abrams mm-hmm. is the actual... He was the inceptor of the thing. And uh, he co-wrote it with another author as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure he had other co-conspirators in this because the inserts are wild. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a school newspaper mm-hmm. in there that's even printed on newspaper print and that has other notes written on it. There's postcards from all over the world that actually have stamps and stuff That's on them crazy. in there. Yeah, and uh, and it's the people's handwriting that are in the margins too, like doing other things and slipping extra notes into here and there. There's a bar napkin that's like a, a real bar in the world. What? Like, yeah, it has their logo of the bar and then just like another note. And it all looks handwritten too, even though it's printed, like closer inspection. But Have you read the entire book? No, it, it's taken me... I, I kid you not, years to get even into it. Because every time I start it, my ADD goes off and I try to start reading all of it at once. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get 10 pages in and my mind is lost because there's so much information. Yeah. So I've gotten to the point where uh, I'm just reading the base ship of Theseus now. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'm going to go back and do just the footnotes and kind of rehash myself through the entire book. And then I'm going to go do the conversations between the students. Because it's it's just too much. Like... In a book that is under 500 pages long, it feels like this massive undertaking every time you open it. Yeah, that is overwhelming. It's wild. I don't know if I could sit down and do it. I think if I did, I'd probably like read a chapter at a time and then go back and do right. the... But that's... that. What is Ship of Theseus about? What is the story? Uh, it's a man in... Uh, where does he start? Um... It's basically this lonesome traveler who ends up on the ship of Theseus, mm-hmm. uh, or at least that's the name of the boat. Um, and the first person he sees on the boat has his mouth sewn shut. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, so the whole thing is basically, uh, it's an allegory tale. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the footnotes, you start figuring out that um, they don't know who Straka is no one in history really did. He's supposedly this author that kind of like wiped himself from the pages of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these grad students are trying to figure out who he is. Um, and then when the third finally comes in, he starts telling them like, you've gone too deep already. Like get out of here. You, you don't need to know any more of this information. And you're not sure if it's, uh, there's also this like 
the B plot is uh, the first student that was writing in the margins. Uh, it was his thesis paper that he was trying to finish using this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and his professor took all of his work and credited him just himself, the teacher. And so now he's trying to, like, figure out why, uh, like, what else is there to this story that he can then, like, attack the teacher with on the... Not attack, but, like, take his work back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's... That's really cool. I like that. Do you know when it's set? Like, when these two grad students are supposed to be doing this? I feel like it's, uh... Pretty recent. Like, 2001, 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, okay. It's set close in the future. Um, but the rest of the book, I believe in the footnotes of, uh, the Straka, because it even has, like, all the fake, like, when it was published oh, and stuff yeah. in the sides. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, if you just found that book lying on the street without the sleeve that it comes in, you'd never know it was a J.J. Abrams thing. It doesn't have his name anywhere on it besides the sleeve itself. The rest is, like, the art piece. Was Ship of Theseus a book before all of this or did they write that too yeah no they wrote everything Straka's okay. not a real author he's not a real person even that's cool yeah that's really interesting if you've heard some plates uh clink listeners it's because we're biting into the cheesecake right now oh no oh it's so light oh that's really it's really good it's so light but it's also so dense Oh my god, I'm so happy with this cheesecake right now. Ooh, that cocoa powder on top too. Mm-hmm. Ah. We made a jiggle cheesecake, and it does jiggle. It definitely deflated a little bit. It's um not vegan because there's eggs in it. Um, that's what makes it jiggle. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. <laughs> ah. Um. I love the videos of this cheesecake online right now. Yeah. It's like hot out of the oven in Japan, and then they like sear the top of them with like um iron Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh yeah they burn an image into the top and they throw them into the window and they just jiggle forever (laughs) a jello mold so good i'm so proud of this yeah daya cream cheese so vegan vegan cream cheese yeah and soy free it's really really tasty Actually, that's a good point it's not vegan but this is definitely a vegetarian cake it is Mm -hmm. it is and um um, yeah, dairy-free. Yeah, besides the eggs, everything else is pretty good. I mean, even if there was real milk in it, it would still be vegetarian. That's true. It's not a meat cake. Oh, man, but I like meat cake. I know, we we <laughs> left the sausage out. <laughs> the noise it makes is so, like, wet. I know! I'm so into this. Wow. Definitely off my diet today, but that is yeah, okay. A lot, of, a lot of sugar. That's Okay. Happens sometimes. Um, so do you know uh, the original Ship of Theseus, like, um, the philosophy behind the I phrase? don't! I think it's a really cool thing. Um, so Theseus, from Greek mythology. Right. Um, he has his boat. And over time, they replace plank after plank with new planks while um, they're just traveling the seas. Mm-hmm. So eventually... They pull out the last board from the original ship of Theseus, and they replace it with the new board, and then someone else has been storing all of these planks away, and they rebuild the ship out of all of the used planks. Wow. Which one is Theseus' ship? Is the ship of Theseus. Yeah. Hmm. I would say it's the ship that Theseus is sailing. Right? Because experience comes with the stuff. Oh. That's what I always think, too. Yeah. Um... But there's a lot of ways to 
just in this cat per se. Yeah, I I like that as as a as a conversation starter and like as something to debate. But I mean, you know, it's the same thing as be the same thing as hey, I built this house by bare hands. I lived in it, and now I sold it. <laughs> now I live in another house. It's not your house anymore. <laughs> you can always say you built it. Right. But it's not your house anymore. I mean, in some way, it's always your house. So, I guess then, if DC's himself went back and rebuilt his ship board by board, and now he still has the two, which one is the true ship? So, without the question of ownership, just the, the physical object. I mean, I guess, but the current ship also has planks that were used under the sale of Theseus, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it doesn't make that one any less important mm-hmm. and any less, like, in the realm of Theseus. Sure. Wow, you inhaled your cake. Oh, there's still more. <laughs> I did it with my other food, too. I was very hungry tonight. This is nuts. It's a great meal. I'm so happy. <laughs> and this was supposed to be a tribute to, um, what, so the other food was like Yababa's doing, right? Yababa. <laughs> um, and then this is for, uh, Zaniba. Yeah. When she has tea. The good witch. The good witch. <laughs> the witch of the East. Uh, <laughs> is how I looked at her. Um, and so yeah, she has those cookies and gives them tea and sweets and uh and they're restored by them too they were they mm-hmm. were so worn and beaten so mm-hmm. it was almost like the the respite they all needed before they went back to go rescue haku mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can we talk about no face for a second yeah so we're talking about symbolism and we didn't talk about no face who i believe represents the consumer mm-hmm. um so he is neither good nor bad. Um, he doesn't represent capitalism, but we do see what happens to a consumer in a capitalist environment. Mm. Um, and I was really fascinated looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. Um, and then the minute he's gone, the minute he's removed from that society, and they even say, you have to get him out of here. Because he, he um, it's this this place isn't good for him, and then the minute he's gone, he's he's fine again. Mm-hmm. Especially being stuck in the bathhouse specifically, though, like mm-hmm. consumers being stuck in the middle of greed mm-hmm. are never good. And it's interesting that he's always producing more and more money too, almost mm-hmm. what seemed like a completely endless supply of gold just out of his hands. Mm-hmm. But that's what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what he was supposed to do. And so that's what he did. Right. I just wonder why he ate them. It, to me, it almost felt like he was becoming the needs of the people that were in the bathhouse. Because mm-hmm. um, he grows frog legs, too, after he eats the little frog. Right. Right. He, he does literally just become what he consumes. Yeah. But then, once it's out of his system he's fine again but then he doesn't consume anything for the rest of the movie does he eat any of the sweets when he's with i don't think he 
he does. I don't remember. Just sits there. Yeah, I think you're right. For some reason, I, I almost remember his tiny hands eating like one cookie. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I have to. I have to go back and look. It'd be interesting to see because that would be uh, not a conceit, but uh, like why did he not consume the rest of her house? Kind of thing, you know. Because that's that wasn't the point <coughs> of her place, right? Hmm. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she he stayed there with her. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He stays mm-hmm. behind because he was needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But needed as what? I don't know. Uh, focal point of the economy? I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like I need to watch it like 12 more times I before know. I completely understand. Um, okay. Next question. Do you have a favorite food? Uh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love food. Um, I love to cook, as you know. What? Uh, yeah, I hate it so much. <laughs> I, um... Man, it sucks because, like, my base instinct goes to cheese. It's like, oh, yeah. I just, ugh, there's something about it that I just really. Cheese can be your answer. Can you tell part of my family's from Wisconsin? Um, <laughs> but I guess that's not, like, a meal, though. My favorite meal. Um, it can totally just be food, though, too. It doesn't have to be a meal. It's fair. Tell me both. Tell me both. You know what? I, I, I'm going to go back to my my Massachusetts roots here. Because uh, whenever I go home, I crave it. Uh, clam chowder in a bread bowl. Yeah. And a lobster. Like, I want those things all the time. And I think it's because I'm living in Chicago now, and I, I see the lobster and the clam chowder, and I'm like, we are in a landlocked state. I don't want any of that. Don't eat that. <laughs> as soon as I go home, I'm like, I need this. I need to go to Faneuil Hall. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. The <laughs> first thing we did in Boston. Because, like, you need to. It's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're just like, you're like I'm going to have 12... Clam chowders. Yeah. I, I wonder why I always feel like way too full when I come back to Chicago after being home. And I'm like, oh, right. All the heavy cream. I just drank like soup. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I love it. Like my birthday dinner for years when I was a kid was just a steamed lobster. Mm. Yeah. And one of my favorite places in the world is up in Maine. There's actually this tiny little wharf mm-hmm. and they pull. They have a boat that comes right up. You can take the lobsters out of the water and they steam them there on the pier. That's nuts. And, they, and there's literally like, it's got to be a 10 by 10 pier. And there's a picnic table that seats six people <laughs> and uh, and you just eat on the water. And I love that place. It's like steamed corn and, and mussels and lobster and like nothing else. That sounds Cold so beer. Good. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like paradise. Where did we go? When we were there, it was, some, like, it was a rainy day, and we went, and it was like a little like shack kind of place out oh, right on the water. it was underneath? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the ramp in Oh, Kenny okay. Bunk. God, that was good. I love that place. And they've got all the sports memorabilia all over the walls, yeah. but it's like classic sports memorabilia. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was a good meal. Um, and I know uh, HW just passed away, but he and Barbara used to go to the ramp. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was one of his haunts, because the, the bush compound's right across you know, around the Oh, block. yeah, right there. Yeah. So, you know, secret service all over the place. But he and Barbara would go in and, and get a beer. They'd shut it down for an hour and then they'd leave. That's amazing. Yeah. Get it, guys. Um, okay, cool. Uh, do you, what is your favorite food to make for someone else? Soup. Specifically? Uh, my, my grandfather's pasta vigil recipe. Mm-hmm. 
and it sucks because I haven't been able to make it for you because it's like full of pasta and I need to figure out how to make it for you, especially in the winter. Um, There's gluten-free noodles, Jake. I, I, I'm on it. I'm going to do not. it. <laughs> You're not. You're not. It's a very specific noodle, though. It's uh, They're tubes, but they're the really small cut-up pieces oh, of the tubes. we've had this conversation. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I doubted you. <laughs> but no, this is... I, I love the soup. And like uh, the secret ingredient is actually celery leaves. So those big like celery leaves off the top... And uh, especially in the winter, you can't find them anywhere. And it's like the best soup for winter. And it's stupid. <laughs> I get so mad. Uh, but no, I yeah, I love making just like pots of the soup. It makes the whole kitchen smell like just cozy, like blankets and movie night. That's cool. Yeah. I would never think to do celery leaves because celery is in so many soups. Yeah. But it, I hate celery. And so, like, it does really lend itself as, like, a really nice, like, hearty base flavor. But uh, I would never think, oh, that's that's way better than having to, like, bite into crunchy celery halfway through yeah. a soup. And when I was a kid, I always thought it was, like, spinach or mm-hmm. something, like, more diluted, like, like an arugula almost. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's the Colangelo family secret. Celery leaves. <laughs> that's amazing they're uh they're the best things yeah put them in all your soups you heard it here <laughs> <laughs> your grandma's gonna listen to this and call and just be like jonathan alden <laughs> you gave away the secret on national radio and you'll be like <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't npr Grammy, first of all <laughs> second you've given that recipe to all your friends we know it's fine <laughs> But they didn't go on the radio. <laughs> it's not the radio. Uh, the condo association's been making that soup for years. <laughs> Honestly, I've been like every time my grandma asks when I when I talk to my grandma, she asks what's new, and I told her I was doing a podcast, and she was like Avat because she's German, <laughs> and um, uh, and I was like I'm on the radio, grandma, and she was like oh. <laughs> It's just like, oh, so this is just the radio. It's fine. Um, <laughs> last question. Um, we kind of like sailed through this once we got past yeah. like the anime stuff. Um, what? Um, oh, do can you leave us with any cooking advice? Mm. Uh, when you're making burgers, season the patties after you've made them. Bullshit. <laughs> We're deleting this whole thing. We're deleting the whole episode i'm taking my jiggly cheesecake and leaving context i saw martina season her meat before she made the patties the other day and yeah, i think it's hilarious because it's a better way to do it and you <laughs> were super impressed they were delicious hamburgers you're, you're like oh my god this is the best thing i've ever had in my life and i was like uh, yeah it's because i fucking seasoned it appropriately i'm sorry we like each other a lot I, uh, <laughs> no i uh i think the, the real cooking advice that i can give to anyone is uh a, try everything, because we just tried something that we've never made before, and A, it was delicious, and it was super fun to make. Because it was we so never... fun to make. Yeah, it was like it was like a, a science experiment at home. Um, <laughs> and then I would always say under-season until you taste, too. And but what, what I mean by that is uh, you can always add more, but you cannot take away what you've added to yeah. the dish. Um, so like especially for salt, I prefer way less salt than Martina does. I was about to say, so you're talking about salt right now. 
no, no, no. But I mean, just in general for anything, though, too. Yeah. I mean, like, so uh, that time that we put those Szechuan peppercorns yeah. into that dish, and it was delicious, but we didn't realize about the numbing agent, and then our whole mouths, we, like, overdid it. We were like, oh, God. Okay, well, then why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? you're, especially when you're trying something new for the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially, like, with savory stuff that I feel like I wing all the time. Uh, I, I'm sure I don't quite have the eye for it that I think I do. Uh, but I just love, I love winging food because I love to cook and I like to sometimes not follow a recipe and see what turns out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, under seasoned taste, under seasoned taste, don't dump the whole jar of pepper in even though the recipe might call for it. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, you can build up to it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're making hamburgers, make sure you season, season the patties, and then not the ground beef. No, season the beef, and then you mix it all together because Ooh. then it's even. And then when you bite into it, it's there. Uh, we're gonna test this theory on a later episode. We are, we are. We're gonna have a burger off, and uh, it's gonna be great. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm gonna just go ahead and call myself Ron Swanson. <laughs> this is a piece of meat between a bun. <laughs> Put ketchup on it. Or don't. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am very happy with what we made. Thank you for cooking with me tonight. Yeah. It's the first time someone's cooked with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, we cook for each other constantly, so it wouldn't make sense to, uh, to, to do, especially for something like this. I feel, I don't know, if you had made a meal like this for me without me, I would have felt left out. No, and like this is an awesome experience because, like I said too, like I was the one that got to make the dough for yeah. the dough on, and uh, it was wild. I felt like uh, it was like a Bill Nye experiment. <laughs> it was fantastic. I know well, you were stirring for so long, and then all of a sudden it just came together like magic. You're just like this. It's it's not happening. It's yeah. not working. This isn't. And I, I was like, okay. This Keep going. And then out of nowhere. What dough starts as a liquid like that and then just becomes a dough? That was nuts. I've never seen it before. It was super cool. <laughs> Do it at home. Do it with your kids. <laughs> it's rice flour, cornstarch, and water. Oh, it was amazing. It blew my mind. Yeah, put it in a double boiler. <laughs> Best day of your life. Okay, well, um, I don't know if I have anything else. Awesome. Well, or- thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. And for and by coming, I mean letting me bring all my stuff to your house. <laughs> yeah. Cook the books. Cook the books. Cook the books. Do it. Cook them all. I already, I already said it all.